This is the Blue Microphone's official podcast hosted by yours truly, Tyler Barth, all the way from Blue Studios out in Westlake Village, California, where we invite our favorite artists to come out and co-host the show. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back with today's special guests. This is the Blue Microphone's official podcast, edited from the House of Rock in Santa Monica, California. I'm your host, Tyler Barth, my co-host, Tom Larson. Hello, everyone. <laughs> so, Tom, it is a Monday night. Indeed, it is. You've spent several quality days in Silver Lake, the L.A. adjacent area. Indeed, I have. And what's it been like for you? It's been a very wonderful hang, a very nice change of pace um, from New York City. Um, just beautiful weather. Wonderful people. Had a great time playing at the Hotel Cafe this past Saturday. And just checking the scene out, really, out here and just seeing how people live and seeing a different perspective on, on the business. And it's been a lot of fun. You get caught up in any of the traffic? Yeah. I mean, that's not really possible to not be caught up in the traffic. I think it t- took me two hours to get here from Silver Lake. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, we appreciate you being here at the House of Rock. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. And boy, did the blues hit. I mean, like, this is happy blues for me because I know you come in here with all smiles. Yeah. And then you get in right in front of that microphone, and then it's just like, ooh, it's a little bluesy for me. Yeah. Yeah. A little bluesy for me. Yeah, that's a a good point. I think um, when I take a breath before I begin to play, the blues, particularly the kind of stuff I was I was playing with the acoustic stuff, it's really a chance for me to just kind of just vent a little bit, you know, and just let whatever is if there's any bad stuff going on inside, just kind of just let it get out. Yeah, you know, I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Well, for our yeah. podcast listeners who tune in, yeah. we're gonna tell you a little bit about Tom Larson in a minute. Um, we are gonna actually talk a little bit about where you come from, mm-hmm. the the start of People versus Larson. Sure. And we're going to roll into a couple tracks you recorded here at the studio today. Sure. This evening. Sure. And then we're going to roll into this EP that I have in my hand. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk about music and what's up next. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, Tom Larson, where did it all begin? Well, um, you want me to start from the very I beginning? I kind of want to know like when you picked up your first guitar. Okay. Well... So my big brother played electric guitar, and I wanted to play bass. And my dad was like, let me get you an electric guitar. You know, the bottom four strings are the same. If you really dig it, then I'll get you a bass. If you really prove to me that you can play, then I'll get you a bass. And then what happened was is I fell in love with the blues around the age of 13 or so. And um, I just started playing along with records, you know. And just, um, just yeah, just trying to learn licks by ear and stuff like that and started jamming with friends of mine and eventually decided I want to go to, you know, study music in school because I figured that would be the best way for me to, you know, actually meet musicians. It was my dream to come to New York City and have a career there and get at least get my start there, you know, as sort of a springboard. And um, did that, went to school, moved to New York City, um, 
in like 2009, summer 2009. It was tough at first. Had to hustle, you know, my way around trying to find gigs and stuff like that. Played on the subway for a long time just to scratch out a living, you know. And that was kind of how I learned how to be a performer because when you're playing on the subway, you're not going to get any money unless people are digging what you're doing and you have an effective performance in the sense of you're able to captivate people as they're just walking around, going about their business. And then from there, I was actually able to get some gigs of my own, um, performing at a, or have a residency at a place called the McKittrick Hotel now in uh, in in Manhattan, which is a the home of Sleep No More, which is an immersive theater production, and um, I get to play for their audience every Friday and Saturday at two fifteen a.m. Um, which in is New blast. York, that's not bad. Okay, it's two cool, fifteen. It's a city that doesn't sleep. Here. That's right. So I'd say you're in trouble if you're playing two fifteen a.m. at the Hotel Cafe here. Right, right. <laughs> oh, right, it's kind of a different lifestyle and schedule in New York. But it actually works out good to come out here in new uh come out here in LA because then I'm sort of on a normal schedule when I get here. I don't really need to worry about jet lag when I come out here. Right on. So it's kind of perfect. Right on. So you had an older brother? Yeah. Grew up in New York City. Mhm. And uh it was it all started with the bass. I actually never got a bass. My dad never got a bass. He never even got one. He never got one for me because I just fell in love with the guitar. What was your first guitar? Um, <laughs> my first guitar was a three-quarter size. I was 11 years old. I got a three-quarter size. My dad, I'm, you know, he's going to hate me for saying this, but we walked into the music shop and he said, what's the cheapest electric guitar you got? <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and it was um, this company. I don't remember what the hell the name of the company was. It was called Memphis. And it was like a three-quarter size guitar. It just had one humbucking pickup. It was like a Strat type. You know, it had one bridge humbucking pickup. And by the end of it, I had fixed it myself with like, I had jammed paper into the pickups because it was like moving around. And I had um, a corner of a picture frame on the, on the, um, for the f- saddle for the first string. And it's, one of the tuning pegs was broke, so I had to use like a, you know, a pliers to like tune it every time, you know? <laughs> but it made you appreciate the sound you were getting from it because you worked hard to get a real sound out yeah. of that. Yeah, and also at that age, it's like a toy, you know? Yeah. You know, like I have some students back in New York. I have like a nine-year-old student, you know? And it reminds me of like when you first start to play and the instrument's like a toy, you know? So I, I, when I whenever I have a lesson with him, every... Every once in a while for motivation, I bring in my effects pedals just so that he knows that this is supposed to be fun. This is a toy. You should feel always, especially because it's electricity that you're playing with. You know, it should feel like a toy. It should feel, you should be intrigued by the instrument, you know. Right on. I like it. I like it a lot. Good way to kick things off. So all of our listeners now know we got New York City. And by the way, I know you said you started playing at 11 and 13. You know, Tom, you come across as still a very young man. I am still a very young man, I guess, by most people's standards. <laughs> I'm and, 25, and, yeah. And you can still pass, like, it's pretty young. And yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I'm sitting across <laughs> and I'm feeling a little bit aged, but it's all good, man. It's all good. So, all right. Then you decide it, it's time to record some music. Yeah. You, you, you taught, did you taught yourself? Is that what you're saying? No, I had a teacher that I studied with in school. And then, like, I started to study, like, basically, I went to school for jazz music. Okay. You know, I studied jazz in school. So I got prepared to do that um, in high school. And then 
then I was basically, when I moved to New York, I thought I was going to be a jazz guitar player. You so know? what what was the turning point where you said, I just love blues and this is what I'm committing to? I always loved the blues. It was always where my heart was, you know, and then when it comes down to it and you're in the real world and you have to start earning a living and stuff like that, you know, I'll give you, like, here's kind of like, kind of like an example of how exactly I figured like, well, this is my strength and this is what I need to go with, right? When I when I was, you know, starting out trying to hustle some gigs and stuff like that, I used to play in Washington Square Park all the time with like pickup bands. Like we'd call just jazz musicians and stuff like that that we knew. Um, my buddy Wayne Tucker, who's a trumpet player, we, we lived together and we would go to Washington Square Park and we would, you know, just get bands together and we'd play and we would make the most money when I would sing a blues because, and we'd, we'd sing every, I'd do like every four tunes I would sing a blues because I couldn't sing every tune because I couldn't possibly sing that loud for that long because we were outside, you know? And then that's when I realized, it's like, man, this is what I love and this is what I can do and this is what draws people in, this is what other people connect with. So I was like, well, that's the whole point, isn't it? <laughs> you know? Uh, hey, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's just a funny story. I've been to Washington Square Park, and I've yeah. seen like bands go out there, and yeah. you, you kind of you strike a chord when you say that because yeah. people can relate with the blues, and everybody can. That's another thing I've learned that it doesn't matter. Like I've played for really old people, I played for really young people, black people, white people, people from everywhere in the world in New York City. You know, it doesn't matter. Everybody likes it because it's really just. It's at the heart of the matter, you know? It's like, really, it's like, well, what are you talking about, man? I'm just talking about my feelings, you know? And that's all people really want. They just want to know what your feelings are, and then they want they want to be able to feel your feelings, you know? I think it's a great opportunity to dig into Devil Got My Woman. Mm-hmm. And this was the first track that you performed here. You mm-hmm. tracked here in the studio mm-hmm. at the House of Rock. Yes, sir. You want to talk about where you wrote that song for the first time? Well, this is a Skip James tune. Okay. And um, it was first recorded in 1931. And um, Skip James was one of those cats who um, benefited from the blues revival of the 60s. You know, so the first recording that you'll ever hear of, of Devil Got My Woman is from 1931. And then the second one you'll hear is from sometime around, I'd say, 1964, 1965. And that sounds a lot more like what we just did. Okay. You know, where there's like, you know, it's really beautiful reverb and spaciousness to it, you know, and he kind of sings with like that falsetto and it's just really gentle, but also really melancholic. And uh, it really, both versions really touched me deeply because well, first of all, when you hear a tune from 1931 or a recording from 1931 and something is able to reach across time like that, stretch out to you and grab you, well, that's really powerful, you know. Let's play it. Okay. From the House of Rock, we've got Tom Larson performing Devil Got My Woman by Skip James.
But you know I'm so sorry every day That I have a learning need You know my baby don't drink no whiskey You know my baby, she don't drink no whiskey You know my baby ain't crazy about one She don't want nothing but the devil I said, baby, you know I used to cut your key lane. I used to cut all your key lane. Thinking I'd make a fire. And then I would turn up all your water away from the foggy bright. I said, but my mind done got to rambling like the wild geese from the I said, baby, no, I could be right. Yeah, yes, and I could be wrong. I said, you know, is that mean old devil? He done took my baby and he done gone. She done gone.
good way to kick things off. <laughs> I mean, I would have said this was your own track because I had never heard that track before. Yeah. And uh, you made it sound great. I think yeah. Skip would feel pretty good about that. I hope so. I know he would. Yeah. Come on, 25-year-old 20, out of New York <laughs> who could pass his 19. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell him that. Man. Don't tell him. Oh, man, that's cool. Well, that's thrilling to kick things off. Now let's plug your Facebook because that's where Dude. I found out about you first. And when I found you on Facebook, I noticed in some photos yeah. you had some blue mics going. Dig. And that was really meaningful because I had just gotten hip to that song, See My Jumper. Yeah. And it was really cool to know that you guys used some blue. Yeah, yeah. So let's plug the Facebook first. So facebook.com okay. backslash people vs. Larson. So people versus Larson. Yes. People versus Larson. So Tom Larson. Where That's does one me. come up with this title? Oh, God, you want the real story? I want the real story. Oh, God. Well, like I said, when I moved to New York, I had to hustle a bit, right? So, um, actually, I mentioned to you before, I just finished playing a week at Birdland with this really amazing singer. Her name is Cyril Aimee. She's half French, half Dominican, and she's been basically kind of like my older sister in a musical sense. We've been playing gigs since um, 2004 five together and um she grew up in Django Reinhardt's hometown of Samois in France and so um she actually took me a couple times out there to play with some gypsies and some of Django's descendants and stuff like that wow. so that was really awesome experience that was when I was like 19 20 um and then um we all moved into an apartment together, a bunch of us from, from school. I went to SUNY Purchase in Westchester, and we moved to the city. And then, you know, we were trying to figure out how to scratch out a living, you know. And you don't walk into New York City and just grab a whole bunch of gigs. It takes a little time. So in the meantime, um, we ended up meeting a fellow who had created a company called Practice Safe Policy, where in which he printed and sold on street corners of New York City politically themed condoms. <laughs> Interesting. So we had Obama, McCain, and Palin, right? And this was right after Obama got elected. So it was like a whole, he was kind of like a rock star, you know? So we had like our little, you know, condoms that say stimulus package on it, you know, we'd make her feel like the first lady tonight and all that, you know? <laughs> we had a million jokes, you know? We had the Palins as thin as her resume, McCain's wrinkly for her pleasure, you know, all this stuff. For real, man. And that was my job for like a year. Until finally, uh, you know, the powers got B, got hip to the fact that we were making a bit of, you know, unmarked cash on a regular basis. And then one day I got, un uh, I got arrested by undercover police officers and taken to court. I had to go to court. Like I'm, I went to court like 10 times for all this and argued my way out a few times with some nice jokes. And then eventually got, you know, I got caught, you know, and, um, it was like in the newspaper and stuff like that. So I said, well, you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. So see if I can take some of that fire and give it to my music. Uh, I don't know. That's a good story, man. <laughs> Listen, this is where, this is the dirty, this is the true dirty E-Hollywood behind the scenes <laughs> yeah. story right here. That's it. That's uh, cool. Yeah. All right. So that's where we got People versus Larson. It is. And that was the, that was actually the court hearing. Yeah, I came home uh, from the court from from court that day, and I remember going to the diner in my neighborhood and talking to the waiter and be like, 
you know what, man? I'm gonna name. I'm gonna start a blues band. It's gonna call, be called People versus Larson. You're gonna hear about it, you know. And I showed him the desk appearance ticket and everything. He was laughing, man. He's like, yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> All right. So came out to the house of rock today. Mm-hmm. Went upstairs, and I mean, what was that feeling like before you dug in and and put plug the guitar in and put the mm-hmm. mic in? Mm-hmm. Well, I have to say. I had no idea what to expect when I came here. It's really a beautiful place. It's amazing. It's for all you people out here listening right now. It's it's basically a converted mansion into a recording studio where every room can be recorded and tracked in. And it's really incredible. It's really beautiful. I feel like I'm on an episode of MTV Cribs and I'm recording with you guys and having a great time. So, it's really just a breeze and a wonderful time. All right, so a little history about the house. Mm-hmm. House was built in 1926. Yeah. Five years before Skip James released Devil Got My Woman. Yeah. How about that? How about that? All right, throw a little history at you. Mm-hmm. So now you're, you're actually in a place that Catherine Grayson, the yeah. Hollywood starlet, yeah. who starred opposite Frank Sinatra in a yeah. showboat, yeah. used to live. Yeah, and Sinatra's been in this house. I'm feeling the vibe. You feeling? Cole I'm Porter's feeling the been vibe. In this house. That's that's making me feel like this big. Right Howard now. Hughes and William Randolph Hearst. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of history here. Yeah. And I'm feeling that, like with the blues. Yeah. I'm feeling yeah. that. I'm I hope feeling so. that. All right, so I'm holding right here an EP that you guys released recently. Yeah. It's actually People versus Larson. That's it's the title. Self-titled. Yeah. Self-titled. I like yeah. that. Yeah. It's available on iTunes. Indeed. All right, so the second track you recorded here at the House of Rock mm-hmm. is a track called Poor Black Maddie, mm-hmm. which is actually the first track on your EP you just released. Indeed. Let's talk about what it meant to record that track, being that it's not an original. Well, for me, um, I think as as an artist, I think it's really important to acknowledge um, your influences. And I think it's a big part of growing um, to, to really learn and, and try to master um, other people's concept and other people's technique and other people's songwriting style. And for me, the blues is just such an important um, tradition, uh, which I feel needs to have more light shed on it. And I want to be one of those people that turns people on to Skip James and R.L. Burnside and all these people. Even before I get going on, them turned on to me, you know? I want, I want it to be kind of the same process. I hear you. All right, so from the House of Rock, we've got Tom Larson performing Poor Black Maddie. Keeps me cherry red 
I'm going, got my baby there. So Facebook.com backslash people versus Larson, and that's people vs Larson, L-A-R-S-E-N. Go like them on Facebook. Go to iTunes. Grab what I have in my hand, which I, I dig the artwork, man. Thank so you. So this EP, who, uh, who designed the cover? Because I'm seeing a little uh, hint of a yes. face down in the bottom left. Now, is that your face? That's my face. So what, what, what that is is... Um all the photographs on the album artwork are analog photographs. It's kind of we kind of wanted to have like an analog theme. We tracked and mixed all analog, and um, we kind of wanted to have an analog theme. So my friend Isabel um, took some analog photographs of us, which were amazing, and um, uh, my friend Jax De Leon did the album artwork, and it was her idea to sort of take a shot which was of standing outside of the drum booth and like it had a reflection of me right so she we just dug the colors so we did sort of like a zoom in right on where the reflection of my face is and we just dug the color scheme right there right it's just kind of like shooting and it's it has a nice texture because it's analog and uh, we really feel that the record has a nice texture because it's analog so we thought it was Appropriate. Totally appropriate. Yeah. Totally appropriate. Isabel, great work here. Yeah. It's fantastic. Very, very cool vibe. And like you said, analog, right? What, what am I looking Indeed. at on the back right here? Um, That's a two-inch 16-track um, reel-to-reel tape machine. I can't remember the exact model name. It's on the inside of the record if, you, if you're really curious. Um, but uh, this is great, man. This is this is really really. You should be proud of this. I know Thank you, you are. Thank I know you, you are. Thank I you. can just tell. <laughs> smile. You've smiled the whole time you've been here. <laughs> Hearing me coming off a flight from Cabo. Well, we really appreciate it. Yeah, man. This is really great. So, see my jumper. This is this is mm-hmm. where it all began. 
mm-hmm. KCRW spinning, see my jumper. Yeah. All of a sudden, I go straight to Facebook, yeah. discover what I've found is a hidden gem. <laughs> it's no longer a hidden gem, <laughs> especially now you're on the podcast. Your story is getting heard. Right. So, uh, Tom Larson, see my jumper. Well, yeah. What inspired that to be the first single? Um. So that's also that's an R.L. Burnside tune. And what we wanted to do with the trio stuff on the record was kind of take um, some old hill country blues songs like that and sort of put like a modern spin on them to sort of hit people to the past and still stay relevant in the present. So this is like our own arrangement. We sort of did like a reharmonization. I actually um, took the idea for the chords on like the first like two thirds of the form of the song from a track that I heard of R.L. where he was playing uh, the songs like an E minor, right? And he was accidentally, I believe, playing the A string every time. And it, but it gives this sound of like suspension because it's the fourth of the key. So I decided to make that the bass note of, of the tune. And then on the, the last third of the, of the chorus, I just did a reharmonization with like some different chords underneath it. And um, so, so that's how, how we kind of came up with, with that tune. And um, when we were like deciding on, on the tunes and all that and, and mixing the record and mastering the record I was playing that for everybody and I was like man what, you know what do you think of this I wasn't really sure myself of what to make of it because it seemed to be kind of something that was like just kind of different you know and everyone was like yo that's the single you know <laughs> I was like okay and the first time I heard it I'm like who is that guy yeah. well, who is that trio <laughs> alright without further ado from People versus Larson see my jumper
Dancing in the house of rock right now. Damn straight. All right, man. I like the way that sounds. Oh, mm-hmm. it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. The second track mm-hmm. we're going to highlight, also off the EP, mm-hmm. recorded on tape. Indeed. Hard Time, Killing Floor. Yes. Let's talk about that one. So that's Skip James. Uh-huh. That's also Skip James. And we did the same thing. Well, we had a similar concept. Um and what we did there is we sort of took that's a you know it's a solo guitar piece that we arranged for our trio and so we basically kind of took like the thumb of that Skip James had and assigned that to Dylan who's playing bass right and Dylan Shamat in New York and um and then I sort of like kind of did like a thing on top of that which was like a rhythm guitar thing we put a 12-8 rhythm on it and um you know sort of just came up with our own arrangement and put it you know just wanted to give it like a modern sound you know well let's hear it let's hear it all right from people versus larson the track hard time killing floor
now you know i can i can dig deep into my monday afternoon my monday evening and mm-hmm. i can't wait to listen back to this podcast mm. that's a great track man and you. uh you know i'll have to actually go to listen to skip james original version yeah throw it up side by side see yeah. how that is yeah um one of the things i love about this podcast you know getting the opportunity to sit across from such talented musicians and artists it's uh it's great when you really understand where it all comes from, right? Where, yeah. where you were inspired to do blues music, to write yeah. blues music, yeah. to perform blues music, because yeah. that was where you actually could make a living. Yeah. And it yeah. resonated with you. Yeah. And, you know, I ask all artists in the third part of this podcast, yeah. like, what is that first track that, that meant something to you? Yeah. Um, and really, I just said, pick any track. And, yeah. and you know, for the most part, for the deep artists, they want to talk about yeah. that that song that really resonates with yeah. them and yeah. maybe had an inspiration at some point or another. So what is it? Yeah, well, the first thing that comes to mind is Buddy Guys, Damn Right I Got the Blues. And um, I actually lived in Chicago for a little while when I was a kid, and my whole father's side of the family is from Chicago, and that's where Buddy, you know, got big in the 50s and um, went back to Chicago for a family visit when I was like 12, you know. And uh, my auntie got me a blues sampler CD, right? And that was the first track. And it was really the first time I ever really checked out blues myself. And, you know, the first thing that you hear, you press play and you just hear this, Just it's just Buddy and he's just by himself. And he just plays some burning, really slow lick, right? as a segue into the tune. And that to me is really what the blues is. You know, it's just it's just you, it's just you by yourself, you know, in a room by yourself, you know, just lonesome, just, you know, just letting it out. Like that's really what the blues comes from. It's something for yourself to heal, heal yourself, you know. And so, yeah, when I heard that, that, that was the first thing I ever played along to and learned by ear, you know. So it, it like not only inspired me, but was teaching me at the same time, giving me tools to use. 
I love it, man. All right, so let's play it. The track, Damn Right I Got the Blues by Buddy Guy. You know, for the 140 podcasts we've done, Buddy Guy has never been picked. So I always like when we can mm-hmm. go mm-hmm. into new territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was telling um, my manager Chelsea that, that that is here with us this evening earlier that I saw him when I was 14 years old, and um, at this tiny little club in Connecticut called Toad's Place, and. Um, I was trying to sneak up to the front the whole time and I was getting like nudged by like, you know, like huge guys with muscles and ponytails and stuff like that. Finally, like managed to get myself in the front, you know, and he noticed, you know, I was like the only underage person there. I came with my dad, you know, and he noticed me, you know, so he made sure to give me a guitar pick, put it in my hand, reach down and give it to me. And I still have it. Yeah. All right. And how old were you, you said? 14. 14 years old. Yeah. Shows how profound music can be on us, especially live music. Um, I was elated after that show. I can't wait to see you guys live. Next time you come <laughs> to L.A., I'm going to make sure I'm in town. Good. Um, all right. And we do a house pick. So I thought that this might be a, a good pick, being that we've actually had a blues group out here yeah. called the Ragged Jubilee. <laughs> And, uh, you know, Ethan Barnes, the front man of this group, has got one of those vocals. I was just playing you some, actually. Yeah. And I mean, they're from San Luis Obispo. It's a five-piece. Yeah. It's Ethan and, and his brother and, and the rest of the crew, and they're just really talented guys. Yeah. Strong vocal. They got stories to tell in every song. And, you know, I, I think Ethan could probably do it without the group. But, yeah. you know, I think he said, bro, I need you to be in here. Yeah. And even these other guys' support so we yeah. can go on the road and it doesn't get too lonely. Yeah. So And and, and that's why you have a three-piece. Exactly. Because if you had to do the Tom Larson show all the way through, it's, it can be lonely when you're talking, yeah. when you're singing blues, right? Loneliness is a drag, man. Yeah, baby. It's not just about being lonely. It's about, you know, expressing the feeling of loneliness. It's not just about being lonely, though. Right. <laughs> yeah. So the second studio album the Ragged Jubilee did, it's called In the Valley, and the track I'm going to highlight is called Hey Mama, and this came out March 27th, 2012. Here you have it. Hey Mama. Hey Mama, won't you come back again? Hey won't you come back again? Hey, mom, won't you come back again? 
So here we are, end of February. We've got a big year in front of us. Mm-hmm. Mr. Larson, what's next? Mm-hmm. Well, basically, uh, we're going to keep pushing ourselves out in New York City. We have our residency at the McKittrick Hotel. Um, every Friday and Saturday, we're going to rock that um, consistently. And we're also going to get out on the road more, come, probably come back to L.A. again. We really dig it here. It was a great time. And we're going to try to come back and um I think by the end of the year, we're going to have a, our next full-length record coming out, um, which is in the works, uh, talking to a couple of different producers, talking about, you know, getting it together and, you know, uh, just trying to, um, you know, I as soon as I was finished with this record, I was thinking about the next one. Yeah. You know, so... I'm really excited for that next phase. I'm really excited to just, like, grow into some new skin, you know? I hear you. I, I always ask this question when I'm when I'm truly feeling it, mm. and it's you know if you could go play another venue mm. right now. First off, I want to know your favorite show you've ever played, mm. and then mm. a venue you aspire to play. Man, that's a great question. So my favorite venue that I've ever played, I guess I I would have to say the McKittrick Hotel because, um, I've been playing there um for over a year now and it's really where i guess when if you're ever in new york you got to hit me up and i'll take you there you know um it's the home of of a production called sleep no more which is an immersive theater show which takes place in a van in an abandoned hotel it's very vibey you have to go in with a white mask on you're not allowed to say anything and you wander around by yourself for three hours and there's all kinds of freaky things that happen in there. It's an abstraction of Macbeth, and it's meant to make you feel like you're in a Hitchcock movie. Wow. So every Friday and Saturday at 2.15 a.m., I play for that audience that walks out of that show. Wow. And then they then they come back. They all come back to this bar, and I play for them. And um, the vibe is immense there. And I've been able to channel that vibe into like what I do and it's it's kind of been like a place that's kind of fostered me as an artist and as a band leader so I probably would have to say that's my favorite venue I've just like 
really had a lot of wonderful experiences there and I've met a lot of great made a lot of great connections there you know like uh I met Tom Conrad uh who lives out here and he he's the guy that uh created Pandora and I just had like a nice like personal conversation with him after my set and he, he said are you are you on Pandora have you ever heard of Pandora I said no we're not on Pandora he's like well I created it you should be on Pandora <laughs> give me a record you know so nice man and ex- actually we hadn't recorded the record yet and I sent it to his house, and he he hooked hooked us up and got us on on Pandora. So, you know that that that's that's my home, you know. And as far as where I would aspire to play, that's that's a, that's a great question. I'm not really sure. I guess wherever people want to listen, I'll play anywhere. You know. How about being that you spent some of your time in Chicago? Mm-hmm. Is there a favorite Chicago venue that? Man, if I could play at Legends, there you go, Buddy Guys Legends. Yeah. I mean, I think if I ever met Buddy Guy, then I I don't know what I would do, man. I'd lose it, you know? Well, you saw Buddy Guy. I saw him. I haven't, I haven't met him. You haven't you met know? him. I feel like I would I would tell people I met him just because he handed me yeah. <laughs> the guitar pick. I might as, may as well if it was that impactful. But like a real, yeah, no, I feel like, yeah, just yeah. even sitting down for a drink with him. A Pepsi, whatever. A Pepsi. <laughs> I don't think he. I think he's guy. still taking shots of cognac before his sets. Fair enough. I Fair enough. Still, I think he's still doing that. All right. So legends, it is. Yeah. Um. All right, Tom Larson. This was really, really informative for somebody that does so many of these podcasts. It's mm. always cool to get the the you know the lowdown on mm. on what's going on in the blues world. Mm. We talked a little bit earlier um, with Chelsea while you were mm. in here recording, mm-hmm. just talking about how blues is back. I mean, it's, it's not a matter of is it coming back, it's yeah. back. And so this is a great yeah. time to be Tom Larson. <laughs> I hope so. I'm, hey, I, I'm looking forward to the next album. Thank you. I'm glad that you're excited to be getting back into the studio. Yeah. And uh, we'll make sure you got a blue mic to yeah. record on. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And, uh, man, thanks for coming out. It's been my pleasure, Tyler. Thank you. All right. For all our podcast listeners, if you haven't gone to iTunes and purchased the seven-song EP, People vs. Larson, do it now. Like them on Facebook. Go to facebook.com backslash people versus Larson. And, uh, I mean, man, it's going to be a fun ride. Yeah. It's going to be a really fun ride. <laughs> and to your bandmates that aren't here mm. who play with you, mm-hmm. should we give them a little shout-out here? Yeah, Dylan and Dave, we're going to get you guys out here soon. And you're holding down New York for me, but I'll see you tomorrow. Dylan, Dave, the house of rock awaits. Peace <laughs> out, guys. <laughs>